Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. The time hasn't changed, the people have. The good news hasn't changed, the evil has. The path to heaven is the same, we've just stopped walking. God hasn't stopped listening, we've just stopped talking. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's time to stop debating and trust that it's real. Heaven is waiting, we must make an appeal. Well, we are in the midst of a series of messages that we are calling an appeal to heaven, and we are talking about how God hears us when we pray, when we call out to him, when we speak to him. He not only hears, but he responds. And at the heart of this, we're also talking about the season of time that our nation is in right now as we are in a a very kind of heated election season, and many of us are looking to our future as a nation and in this pivotal time how important it is that we consider this principle. And I think you see this in Scripture We've looked at it from the history of our nation that the prayer of God's people influences the destiny of a nation. The prayer of God's people influences the destiny of a nation. As you read all throughout scripture, you see this. In fact, we'll be back in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 today, which is the story where we've kind of seen this as we've, we've gone through this series. And we've looked at it some from our history as a nation. Last week, we talked a little bit about the first great awakening, a time when as people prayed, God truly changed our nation. Several generations after that, God again did something powerful in our nation. And I think it's, it's critical for us to see this because I think sometimes we have the tendency to think that things are as bad as they've ever been. And although our country, I think, is in a place where we desperately need an awakening from God, as people prayed in the past, God brought that awakening, and I believe that we need an awakening again. Would you agree? And if you would, please, then, would you turn your attention to the screens and be encouraged today? In the days following the American Revolution, there was a great season of moral decline in the colonies. In fact, historians have noted that drunkenness was epidemic, that that there was robberies that took place in banks every day. Even during that time, women were afraid to go out alone at night. The college campuses were a great example of how that moral decline had set in. Polls were taken at Princeton and at Harvard that showed that there were no professing Christians on the campuses at that time. Mock communion was taking place in different college campuses and Bibles were being burned. It was during that time that a movement began to change the moral state of our nation. Timothy Dwight, who was the grandson of Jonathan Edwards, was at that time the president at Yale, and he called for the students to begin to pray. And as this prayer movement began in that time, it started a ripple effect that went throughout our nation, including the Haystack Revival that took place not too far from here in Williamstown, Massachusetts at Williams College. It was during that time, prompted by the prayers of hundreds of people, that the moral decline of our nation began to turn and that tide changed because people prayed and there came a second great awakening of people who were saved and it happened all throughout churches in New England, including this one, the First Church of Christ in Bradford, Massachusetts, one of the oldest churches in New England. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about what it, what it takes for us to make an appeal 
to heaven. But today I want to answer kind of a, an interesting, maybe a unique question, and it says, what do you do after you've prayed? Once you've prayed, once you've, you've made that appeal to heaven, after you've called out to God, what do you do after you've prayed? I mean, some of you may find yourself in that place. In fact, we're going to be honest about some things today. I'm going to ask you to kind of take a look at your own heart, your own life, kind of where you're at as we talk about this today. Some of you may even be in a place where you, you feel like you can relate to the words of that great hymn writer, John Bon Jovi, when he said, I'm halfway there living on a prayer, right? You feel like you're in that place. What do you do after you've prayed? Second Chronicles chapter 20, pretty interesting story. We actually started a couple weeks ago at the end of the story where we saw how God answered their prayer, how when we pray, God hears us and he responds oftentimes in powerful and miraculous ways. And last week, we looked at kind of a model for our prayers. We looked at the ands, ifs, and buts of prayer and realized that when we pray, God can move on our behalf. Why was this nation praying in the first place? Well, if you remember, what had happened was Jehoshaphat, who was the king of the nation of Judah, had called people together to pray because three foreign nations, these, these bullies, were coming against them. They were gonna attack them together. They were overpowered. They were outnumbered. This was a desperate situation, and the only hope that they had to be able to move past this moment was for them to call out to God. And if you remember, Jehoshaphat prays this, this powerful prayer that we looked at last week, and it concludes with such a clear, I think, definition of what prayer is. He says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And scripture says that after he prayed that, the people that were there, and he had called the whole nation together, they stood there as they prayed together. And after that prayer, Here's what happened. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. If anyone is in the process of looking for the name of a young boy, there is your list of options right there. <laughs> Jehaziel stands in front of people and he gives them, listen, listen to this, because I think this is really significant. He gives to them a word from the Lord. Now next week we're gonna talk about the, the prophetic a little bit and how sometimes God will speak through people in powerful ways. But today what I want you to get a hold of is this. What Jehaziel does is he speaks the word of the Lord to them. And the things that he speaks, and we're gonna see this today, echo all throughout scripture. These are principles and themes that we hear in scripture over and over and over again. And he stands in front of the people after they've prayed. So before they see the answer, but after they've prayed, he stands in front of them and he gives them this word from the Lord. There are times in our lives when we just need something to hold on to. Some of you may even be there today. You know, if, you, if you've ever been like on a bus or a train or someplace where you have to stand up and it's, it's in motion, you have to reach for kind of that rail or you reach for, you know, a handle or something, you know that as life is moving, you have to have something to hold on to. And what Jehaziel does in this passage is he gives to the people of God something to hold on to in a moment of crisis, something to hold on to in the midst of the battle, something to hold on to in the throes of life. If you've not been there, you will be at some point, and I want to encourage you, the thing we have to hold on to is a word from God. Anybody ever been there? When you know all you have to grab hold of is a word that comes from God. 
Listen to what he says, verse 15 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehaziel said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. Jehaziel gives them this this strong prophetic word. It is one that you hear echoed all throughout the scriptures. It's things that they need. They are going into a battle. They're gonna need something to hang on to in this fight. And do you know what these words are? They're fighting words. They're words that they can hang on to. You ever heard that saying? Them there's fighting words. You ever heard that? Sometimes you have to know the things to speak, the things to hold on to. Some of you are in situations and you've prayed. In fact, and we continue to pray. What's scripture say? It says that God hears us when we persevere, when we persist in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says that we pray without ceasing. We continue to pray. But sometimes after we pray, we wonder, God, did you hear me? God, what do I do? God, how do I move forward? This is what you do after you pray. You start speaking fighting words. You start saying words that will encourage you. You start saying words that will build you up. You start saying words that you know you can lean on. Sometimes you have to hold a pep rally for your soul. Does that make sense? Sometimes you gotta speak fighting words. I'm not speaking here about trash talk. Do you know what trash talk is? Trash talk is different. Trash talk looks a little different than that. We see plenty of trash talk in sports, politics, right? This isn't trash talk. This is faith talk. There are times when you have to speak fighting words. Now, how do we fight our battles? We fight spiritual battles in prayer. And we've seen this, and scripture shows this to us over and over and over again. We've watched this in this series. We're gonna come back to it again next week. We fight our spiritual battles in prayer. But during that battle, and then after that battle, the way that life moves forward, the way that we find victory is when we stand on, when we lean on, when we hold on to the word of God. God's word is the key to victorious praying and living. God's word is the key to victorious praying and victorious living. And if we're gonna hold on to God's word, then what we need are some fighting words. And this, this prophetic word that Jehaziel speaks in 2 Chronicles 20 are fighting words that you can hold on to in the midst of times when you face a battle. For some of us, we're, we're in a place where we're discouraged or we're concerned. Some of us, even for the state of our nation, and whether you're facing a personal problem today or whether you're concerned about a national situation, I would encourage you today, we have some scriptures that we can hold on to. What I wanna give you are three fighting words for victory. These these are phrases or collections of words, we'll just call them fighting words, that you can hang on to to help you in the times when you need God's strength and his help. Three fighting words for victory today from the words that Jehaziel spoke to the people of Judah. Here's the first one. Number one, do not be afraid. Number one, do not be afraid. 
probably more than any other command in Scripture, this one gets repeated. We watched it um, several times in the last few weeks as we even look at what Jesus said in the midst of calming the storm that his disciples found themselves in. We see it over and over and over again, over 360 times in the Bible. Fear not, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I'm gonna give you some scriptures throughout the, today as we look at these different fighting words. And for some of you, you might need to write these scriptures down because these are words you're gonna have to hold on to these are weapons that we're going to use. When, when Scripture talks about the, army or the armor of God, what does it say is the sword of the Spirit? It is the, the Word of God. It is the weapon we use to be victorious. So some of these Scriptures, it would do you well to make note of them today. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand hand. Remember when we looked a couple weeks ago at how Jesus calmed the storm? One of the major issues that was there was fear, because when you go through a storm in your life, it causes fear, and fear causes you to lose confidence. When we become afraid, we, we get discouraged. We lose confidence in those times, and what happens is fear then seems to feed a storm. It makes a storm even stronger. That's why as God's people, we're reminded over and over and over again that we should not fear. We can't let fear and discouragement control us. Look again at the end of verse 17 of 2 Chronicles 20. Jehaziel says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Look at what's so significant about this passage. Verse 15 begins with the words, do not be afraid. Verse 17 wraps up with the words, do not be afraid. This, this word of encouragement, these fighting words, are wrapped up in a sandwich of do not fear. It's this faith sandwich that says, I will not be afraid. It's a powerful thing. And I know it's probably easier said than done. So let's be honest here today. We, we can be honest with each other, right? This is a safe place, right? We can be honest. How many of you are maybe facing something in your life right now that could cause you to have a little fear? And, and for the record, my hand's up. Anybody else? You're up against something that brings a little anxiety, maybe a little apprehension. I'm gonna guess there's a few people that I could ask you right now, how many of you are liars and didn't raise your hand? There's, there's some of us, right? It happens in our lives. It's, it's for real. And when I stand here on a Sunday morning and say, do not be afraid, it's a whole lot easier said than done. Because what causes us to have fear? For some of us, it's what we perceive with our mind. It's the things we see with our eyes. It's when we expect something. Understand this, fear usually doesn't come when you're in the midst of the fighting. When you're in the midst of the fighting, you're usually focused on that victory. You know when fear usually comes, for me anyways, it comes in the waiting. When I start thinking about what could happen, what might happen, I begin to waste so much energy with fear. This is why fear is so dangerous because it keeps me from moving forward. It slows the progress God would have us to make. Now don't get me wrong, for some of you, you are in a fight and it's difficult and it hurts and it's work and it's long and it's hard to be in those times. But you will never get to a place of victory if you let fear keep you away from it. Fear is the grip that holds far too many of us back from the victory that God has for us. And here's what's, so, here's what's so dangerous about fear. Did anybody else grow up watching professional wrestling? Anybody else? They call it WWE. Now, back in my day, it was a WWF. 
And I'm telling you folks, it was real back then. It was real, it was real. And I remember every Saturday afternoon, I'd sit down in front of the TV and I would watch professional wrestling. Some of my favorite were the tag team matches. Do you know what I'm talking about? The wild Samoans, road warriors. These guys come out there, you get in the midst of this battle and what would happen, when one guy would get tired, he would reach out and he would tag his partner. And then that would mean his partner could come into the ring. And usually they would do something kind of dirty and cheaty and nasty on the way in. Do you remember that? These nasty battles that would take place. Here's what happens. Fear gets in the ring with you, and then when fear's done doing its part, he reaches out and tags his partner discouragement. And then discouragement jumps in, and they usually do something nasty to you on the way, don't they? Because you get filled with fear because you see it, and then because of the fear, discouragement goes, ah, it's probably, you're probably not good enough. You probably can't do it. It's probably not gonna work. It's probably, why would you even bother? That's why this passage says multiple times, do not fear and do not be discouraged because that tag team will do you in every time if you bother to get in the ring with them. Here's what happens. The fear comes in the waiting. When we let that fear come upon us, if we'll move forward towards the fight, if we'll, if we'll move forward with the words that God says, do not fear, we move towards victory, but what happens instead is fear and discouragement come on us in the waiting. Have you ever taken a kid to get a shot? <laughs> right, I remember when my kids were old enough to know what was coming when we said we're going to the doctor. What was the first question they always asked? Am I gonna get a shot? As they've gotten older, I've said to them, yes, and it's going to hurt and there will be many of them. That's what I would say. But when they're little, they're like, am I gonna get a shot? Am I gonna get a shot? Because the whole concern was what might happen. And then you sit there the whole time, and the doctor says, There's probably, you're gonna have to get a couple of shots. Oh, a couple of shots. And they're waiting, and then they pull the needle out, and they're like, wave it around, you know, in the process. <laughs> it's terrible, it's terrible. Usually what happens is when you get the actual shot, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts a little bit. It's not near as bad as what you thought it was gonna be, right? Where did the fear come? It came in the waiting. So at some point, we have to be able to say, look, I'm gonna push fear aside. I'm gonna deal with this. I will not let myself be afraid. This is a big deal. This is why scripture repeats it over and over again. It's easier said than done for me to say, do not be afraid. Listen to what God's word says about not having fear. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. For the Lord your God will be with you. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Every one of these scriptures we've looked at regarding fear today. Do you know what it said? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do you know why? For the Lord your God is He's with you. Why are you not afraid? Because you're not alone. Look, I've had the privilege to go to some different countries, some different places, places where I did not speak the language, places that I did not know, places where I probably didn't belong and I certainly wasn't welcome. But I didn't let fear get the best of me. You know why? Because I didn't go there alone. I had a guide, I had someone with me who would speak the language, who'd been there before, who knew what to do. And although there were times where I could have been fearful, times where I had to be wise, I knew this, I'm not filled with fear, I won't let fear keep me because I have a guide who walks with me. That's why scripture says, do not be afraid, 
Do not be discouraged because you have a guide for this battle you're going into. The Lord is with you. Some of you are in it right now. Some of you are neck deep in it right now. You are in a situation that you probably never would have asked for. And what happens is fear every day comes knocking at your door. You have to remember, I am not alone. Isaiah chapter 43, verse one. But now, this is what the Lord says. He created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why do we not have fear? Because the presence of God is greater than the power of fear. The presence of God is greater than the power of fear. So when that fear comes in fast and furious on you, you know what you need to do? You need to remind yourself that you are not alone, that God is with you, that will help you. When you find yourself in a battle, you know what you need to do? You need some fighting words. Here's the first set I'll give to you. Do not be afraid. Here's the second set. Fighting words number two, the battle is the Lord's. Number two, the battle is the Lord's. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 again. Here's what Jehaziel said. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is the Lord's. There's this fascinating passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 20. It's when Moses is talking to the army about what they're supposed to do when they go out to war. And he's speaking to them about this here in a really powerful way. And it's interesting, the the instructions that he gives. Look at this, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse one. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Does any of that sound familiar? Verse two. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. You know what he's about to do there? He's about to give them a pep talk for their soul. Verse three, he shall say, hear Israel. Today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. This is a powerful thing to think about here. He's not saying you won't face battles. It's, it's truth in life. You will face battles. But when you do, you don't go along. Let's be honest. We're, we're, uh, we're all friends here, Right? How many of you are facing a battle of some kind? And again, my hand's up, anybody? You're facing something of some kind and you're trying to figure out how do I navigate this? How do I deal with it? Here's the truth, remember this. God fights our battles. I know it sounds super simple, but it's so key for us to understand here. We were never intended to fight them on our own. God is the one who gives us the power and the strategy and the favor to be victorious. I have to remind myself of that because too often when I face a tough time, you know what I say? The battle is Chad's. I'm the one who has to face it. When the reality of scripture is the battle is the Lord's. What kind of battle are you facing? Some of you, it might be a battle with fear. Maybe, maybe it's the unknown. Some of you, it's a financial battle. 
Maybe it's a battle with that temptation that keeps knocking on your door. It's a battle at work. Maybe it's a physical battle in your body. Maybe it's a struggle with time or relationships. Maybe it's something that's internal in your head. Or maybe it's an external battle of some kind. Maybe you even feel like you have real live enemies who are out to get you. Whatever that battle is that you're fighting, you have to realize that it isn't really yours to fight. This was what Jehoshaphat was up against. He had to realize this. He had to understand that this battle that you are fighting is not yours. And sometimes you'd say, but the battle is really difficult. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's tough. I've known people where it seems like their battle has just just kind of been easy. And I've known other people where it feels like they fight battles over and over and over again. Sometimes this same battle that keeps knocking on their door repeatedly and they have to fight it and they have to fight it and they have to fight it. Chad, what do you do if that, if that battle is bigger than you are? Well, if your battle's actually a giant. Do you remember that, that kid that fought the giant in scripture? What was his name? Um, David, yeah. Do you remember what he said? First Samuel chapter 17. He's standing in front of the giant and he says this, verse 47. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. God fights the battles that are bigger than we are. Isn't that good to know? When you're up against it, you don't have to fight it on your own. God fights the battles that are bigger than we are. And there's this interesting statement that Jehaziel makes to the people of Judah in, in our story that we're reading. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, he says this, you will not have to fight this battle. Isn't that interesting? You will not have to fight this battle, he says to them. And if you remember the story, they didn't have to. They got out and looked and the three bully armies end up fighting each other, destroying each other. Israel doesn't have to fight at all in this battle, but it doesn't always work that way. Read the book of Joshua. People of God fought a lot of battles. Remember David we just talked about? He had to go face to face with an ugly giant. Sometimes you will have to fight that battle. Sometimes you will have to face it. Understand this, sometimes God fights for us and sometimes God fights through us. Sometimes he fights the battle through us. It's not on your own strength, it's not in your own power, it's not even in your own wisdom. You have to rely on him, but he will work and fight that battle through you, so don't give up the fight. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't think you have to do it on your own. One other passage of scripture, because I want you to see that this is in the Bible over and over and over again. There was a time when people from Israel had to come against an enemy. First Chronicles chapter five, verse 20. It says, they were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagrites and all their allies into their hands, watch this, because they cried out to him during the battle, he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. Isn't that interesting? Did you see when they called out to him? When did they have to make an appeal to heaven? In the midst of the battle, right in the heart of it. And they cried out to him and says, God, we need your help. Why did they call out to him? Because they trusted in him. And God fights for those who trust in him. Understand this. When you put your trust in God, he fights those battles for us. How do I put my trust in him, Chad? How do I build that up? It goes right back to where we were last week. How do we start our prayer? We start it with what we call the ands of prayer. When we remember how good God is. When we stop and say, God, I know you're powerful. And I know you're faithful. And 
I know you're personal, you're my God. And when you take time and recount how good God is and who he is, it's a powerful thing. In just a few moments, we're, we're gonna sing a song, and here's why. Because when we sing songs of praise to God, we're reminded of who God is. And when I remind myself of that, it helps me to put my trust in him. And when I trust in him, he fights those battles for me. Does that make sense? Those, you know what those are? Them there's fighting words. After you pray, don't forget to hold on to these fighting words. Do not be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. Here's the third thing that I want you to see today. Number three, these, these words, when I read uh, verse 17 of, of 2 Chronicles 20, they just, just resonated with me. Number three, stand and go. Stand and go. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah, in Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. You, you see this word stand repeatedly throughout the scriptures. It means that I'm not giving up this ground. This is the place where I'm gonna stand. Wrapped up in everything we talked about today is this idea of standing. I am not gonna fear. I'm gonna realize that God's gonna fight this for me or through me. I am not gonna run away. I am not gonna turn back. I'm not gonna take this sitting down. I am going to stand. And for some of us, we need to hear this because what's happened is because of the situations in life, the places where we found ourselves, the battles that we've been up against, we've been very content to say, maybe I'll just stay here in the shadows, I'll try to dodge the problem, I'll try to stay away from this, I'll try to kind of close myself off, or for some of us we've just said, oh, I'm just gonna give up, I can't do anything about it, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, I guess I'm just gonna lose here, I don't know, here's the deal, I, I, I prayed about this, I was like, God, I'm not exactly sure how to, how to communicate this, and here's what I believe, I believe the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to communicate it to those who need to hear it. And for some of you, God's stern in your heart and saying, look, this situation, this moment, this time, it's not time for you to sit down. It's time for you to stand. And when you stand, you say, look, I'm not gonna run away. I'm not gonna find a rock to hide under. I'm not gonna let these bullies get the best of me. It is time for me to not be afraid, to realize God will fight through me, and it's time for me to stand. You see this repeatedly throughout scripture. My favorite place that you see this command is in Exodus chapter 14. You may remember the story of when Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've been slaves there, captives there. He leads them out of Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land and they hit the Red Sea and all of a sudden they're figuring out how do we get over this body of water when behind them come the bad guys. The Egyptians are coming to destroy them. And they think this is, we're dead, this is it, it's over. What are we gonna do? We, we tried to escape, but now we've got the water in front of us. We've got the bad guys behind us. We're not trained for this. We're not ready for this. We're outnumbered. We're overpowered. What are we going to do? Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Sound familiar? Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, I love this, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. 
Israel, don't turn around. Don't run away. Don't freak out. You know what you need to do? You need to stand. Some of us today, you know what we need to do? We need to stand. For some of us, we're, we're looking at the political climate and the landscape that we're in, and some of us just want to throw our hands up in the air. Is there anything we can do? Is there any way to win? Some of us are just filled with fear about this whole thing. What do we do in those moments? You know what? We don't shrink. We don't run. We say, God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want me to vote for? God, how do you want me to move? Even more, God, how do you want me to change my world? God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to stand? My greatest fear is that some of us are gonna allow ourselves to just stay back here, seated in the shadows. When God says, what I really want you to do is to stand. It's powerful. And you know that you don't have to stand with fear because God's with you. And it's his battle anyways. I love that passage of scripture. Moses says, you will not see those bad guys again. You know what you need to do? You need to stand. And so they stand. Very rarely then, when we talk about this in sermons, do we go to verse 15. Because in verse 15, it changes a little bit. Because then God opens his mouth. And here's what he says. I love this. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? What are you crying about, he says. Am I God? Did I not get you out of Egypt? Did I not provide for you all along the way? Why are you standing here crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Friends, sometimes it's not enough just to stand. Sometimes you need to stand and go. You need to move. Victory won't just happen on its own. We have to be in a place where God will work for us. You know what is one of the most frustrating things in all of creation? You know what is one of the most frustrating things that can ever happen to a child of God? If you ever want to have the fruit of the Spirit tested in your life, be the second person in line at a traffic light. <laughs> have you ever been at the light when the green light changes and the guy in front of you does not move? What spirit comes over you? I have been there when the spirit of honk has come over some of you. <laughs> this is no lie. I have been out here at this traffic light, out here. You know the one right out here that turns on to Conant Street, especially if you're going to the left? I have been the first one in that line and had other church people behind me <laughs> who did not recognize that it was the man of God in the car in front of them. <laughs> and the spirit of honk came over them. Sometimes there is nothing more frustrating than when someone just won't go. Just go. You know what you're supposed to do. Get off the chair, stand, and go. For some of you, have the conversation. Make the call. You know what God's put in your heart to do. Some of you need to start the change. You need to break the habit. You need to stop doing that thing. Some of us are up against something where you just need to speak some fighting words. For some of you, you know where it is. You've known that God's been drawing you close to him. You hear words like he wants to be your Lord and Savior, and Savior sounds awesome because it means your sins are forgiven, but Lord means you surrender your life to him. That one freaks you out just a little bit. And you've heard the story of how Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you honestly believe that he loves you. 
And you know in your heart of heart that the most important decision that you could make would be to say, Jesus, I surrender all to you today. You're just not so sure that you're ready to take that step. Look, there's no better time to take that step than today. Today's the day for you to stand on your faith and go and let God lead you forward. Today's the day for you to trust in him. I don't know what you're up against. We've raised a lot of hands today. I just want to share with you some fighting words. Do not be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. Thanks. And sometimes you just have to stand and go. I had the privilege on, on several occasions in my life to travel with one of our missionary friends. In fact, he'll be with us a little later this year. A guy named Isaac Smithia. Do any of you know Isaac? He's been with us quite a few times over the years. He's a good friend of the church. Some of you have maybe been on some trips with him. And I have been privileged to be a part of what Isaac refers to as the Isaac Smithia Missionary School of Travel. That's what he calls it. I've been with Isaac when we've been in an airport and, uh, and we're waiting for them to you know, open up the gate and call you to come and board the plane. And if you've been on some of these trips, especially if you have like your, your carry-on, you know you don't wanna get stuck boarding too late because if you do, they'll stick your carry-on somewhere where you don't want it to be. You want everything close and, and all that kind of thing. So, so you wanna get on the plane as quick as you can. So they give you your ticket and it tells you what group or what zone you're a part of to board. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you sit there and you wait and then they start boarding. And I usually kind of sit there and just kind of wait until I used to. I used to before my life was changed. I used to sit there and look at it and I'd wait for, hey, zone one, zone two, whatever. And then you get up and you would go. Not Isaac. As soon as they're like, we are now boarding for flight number. He's like, okay, here we go. You know what he does? He stands. And then every time they call another group, because they start like with diamond, platinum, more holier than you, like all those things, right? You know? So they start with those. Every time they call a group, you know what Isaac does? He takes another step. Every time they call a group, Isaac just kind of moves. He doesn't care if you're in a group in front of him. He's just kind of moving a little bit closer. I remember the first time I was traveling with Isaac, I'm like, Isaac, they did not, okay, all right. Yeah. Isaac, they didn't call, you were just kind of taking this step. You just kind of keep moving. And then this is the shift. This is where it happens. At some point, then they call your zone, now boarding zone one. Isaac does this. He takes his suitcase and he puts it out in front of him like this. Not back here like this, you passive sissy. What he does is he puts it out in front of him like this. I remember I watched, like, what did he do? Here's why. Because as you get in that line, if somebody tries to come over, you're like, uh-uh, no way, you're not doing that. You do that. You put it out in front of you like a plow. That's how it works, okay? And you move forward in that way. I remember I'm with Isaac, and I'm watching, and I'm just kind of behind like this. This was when I, I was so naive and innocent. I was walking like this, and I watched as people crossed over, and I'm like, oh, no, you don't, and you just do that, right? <laughs> you make that move. Because at some point, you're not going to get where you need to go unless you are willing to say, I am going to stand and go. Does that make sense? The only way you're going to do that is if you have something to hold on to that'll go in front of you and will lead the way. You know what'll do that? Some fighting words. Do not be afraid, because the battle is the Lord's. He wants you to stand and go. So I'm gonna ask you to stand kind of right where you are today. The best thing that we can do in a moment like this is to take some time and be reminded of who our God is, to build our faith, to help us with those fighting words, to put our trust in Him. 
So Aaron's gonna lead us in a song we've been singing lately. It reminds us who the king of our heart is. Each one of these phrases is a description of who God is. I don't want you just to sing it. I want you to believe it. I want you to make it active in your faith and put your trust in him. And as we sing this, I want you to be mindful that some of you are fighting a battle. If you're not fighting it personally, I'd encourage you to stand in faith for our nation. But don't be afraid to say, God, I'm fighting this. These are my fighting words. Aaron, would you lead us in this song? sort of a challenge you to do. Some of you go, ah, there's just a little bit of fear inside of me. Some of you go, ah, there's this battle in front of me. Some of you are like, oh, I think I'm supposed to stand and go. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to sing that again, that God is good so you can trust him, right? And as we sing this, I'm just going to invite you to lift your hands to him. If that's you, whether you're here in this room, auditorium too, maybe you're watching online somewhere, would you just lift your hands to him? as a statement of faith. Would you express, God, I know that you're good. I put my trust in you. If that's you right now, if God's spoken to you through this word today, would you just lift your hands to him? Say, God, I put my confidence in you. Lord, I put my trust in you. I affirm today that you are good. Sing this with faith. Sing this with your heart. God, you are good. You are good. God, you yes, are good. You are good, so good. Oh, yes, you are good. You're good. Oh, He's never going to let us down. Thank you, Lord.
praise. He's the one that gives us the victory. God, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word that gives us these fighting words. Lord, may we hold on to them. I pray for the one who's wrestling with fear. May they hear the word today. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For God says, I'm with you. Lord, I pray for the one who's in the midst of a battle. Lord, would you remind them that you do not go into this battle alone because the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Lord, some of us, you've, you've stirred a little fire in us today. It's not enough for us to sit back. You've called us today to stand and go. With that in mind, Lord, we hold on to these fighting words. Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Would you send us out with your special favor, your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.